From the PSIA AASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, you're listening to First Chair, brought to you by Keen. Keen's a values-led, family-owned outdoor brand from Portland, Oregon. They've made doing good a part of doing business for more than 16 years, from consciously constructing its products for a lighter impact on the planet to working with nonprofit partners to protect the places where we work and play. Keen puts its values in motion to leave the world a better place. And someone else I know who's leaving the world a better place is Stephen Helfenbein, who's joining us on First Chair today. Stephen, thanks very much for taking the time to chat. Yeah, absolutely. And boy, that's that's a high bar that you set right there. <laughs> hey, those are some pretty awesome shoes, I got to say. I've been in them for years and I love them. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty uh, good message that they're trying to put out there. I, I would fully support uh those values that they're that they're espousing well speaking of values let's get into a topic we're, we're actually starting a series on this which is always seeking to improve and kind of motivating each other to to look for ways to get better and and we're looking at this really as a year-round thing but I think with you today, let's talk about this in a really general aspect uh, of looking at training year-round. That sounds good. So, Stephen, obviously we're in the off-season. It's July. Uh, what are some things we can do? Uh, you hear build the stoke or keep the stoke alive, but uh, what are some things we can do that will build camaraderie among our staff and and get us staying in, in a snow sport state of mind even during the summer months? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, I, I think that you've got to start maybe at the individual level first rather than, you know, looking at how to bring people together. I, I think that's a separate deal and, and there are opportunities for that. We should talk about that too. But if we could maybe just start at that foundational level of, you know, how you keep yourself going and focused on um, a job that maybe only keeps you busy um, maybe just a dozen or a couple dozen days a year and it's only a few months a year but um, for sure teaching skiing and, and skiing or, or uh, teaching snowboarding and snowboarding are, are year round ought to be year round um, influences in your life they are for me for sure um, and what keeps me going I think just goes straight to the, the core of, you know, why did I choose to do it? And, you know, I chose to dive into, to, to uh, snow sports because I thought it would be a healthy lifestyle. I, I, I chose it because it was a lifestyle that I was attractive to me and I wanted to be a part of. And that part of that lifestyle meant that in your off season, which would be, Typically, your uh, May to November time, you were going to be doing things that were healthy and keeping you prepared for your your prime season. You know your prime winter months, um, and and so that that cycle would just be nonstop. Um, I didn't really see it as just a part of the year thing. It was all year. Yeah, I love what you said because when I got into teaching thirty three years ago. Uh, my attitude when I'd hear someone say, oh, when are you going to get a real job? It was like, this is a real job. I went into this looking at it as a, 
a profession and I love teaching snow sports and that mindset, you know, we are looking at it from coming into this for different reasons. So how can we relate to each other and kind of understand each other more um, when we do have so many varied opinions or, or thoughts on why we got started in this? Yeah. I, uh, short answer is I don't know. Uh, <laughs> There, there are so many different motivations, uh, but I think the way to connect uh, uh, around those is, or, or people do connect around their different reasons or in spite of their different reasons, if there's a deeper motivation there. Um, and so for you, you know, you thought of it as a career. Um, there might be other folks that only do it um, as a side hustle or a side job or as a hobby, but maybe they have the same passion for it that you have for it, even though, um, you know, it's, it, um, you know, you're, you have different primary careers. And I think that that happens when people are basically seeing snow sports and snow sports instruction as a, as a way to challenge themselves personally, improve themselves personally, um, it doesn't matter how much you do it, that that capacity is there um, to, to use it for development, personal development. You know, when I look at, say, bike racing, which is, you know, I've got a big background in that, but choices that I make uh, nine, ten months before a race that I'm really keying on, they really can have a positive or negative impact on me you know, say something I'm doing in September can really affect my performance in June. And I take that the same way with snow sports. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, um, I'm, I'm totally more sensitive to that, that dynamic that you're describing it, the older I get, um, physically the, you know, the demands get higher and higher, uh, because my, body gets worse and worse i guess <laughs> so um i have to be more conscious physically of those choices myself you know all summer long it's like it's the same kind of uh, attention you know what am i eating how much am i eating what am i drinking how much am i drinking you know how much exercise am i getting what kind of exercise am i getting all of those things you know they are kind of driven by that thought of what am I going to feel like when I start skiing again in November and how am I going to feel when I go for four weeks nonstop, you know, am I going to be up for that when, when that, when that, uh, when that situation comes. Um, and I think I like that. I like that I'm accountable, um, that, that snow sports in the winter are holding me accountable now. I can't imagine what I would be doing, you know, without that. And I want to pick up on that accountability. You're listening to First Chair. Uh, Stephen Helfenbein joining us. First Chair brought to you by Keen, values-led, family-owned outdoor brand. It's made doing good a part of doing business for more than 16 years. Keen puts its values in motion to leave the world a better place, which makes me want to put on my Keens and go for a hike in the mountains. How about you, Stephen? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, every day there should be something like that going on. <laughs> so with that accountability and what you just said really makes me think back to uh, when I was younger and 
you know, didn't need to be so aware of keeping my 50-year-old body in shape. Um, those first few days on skis, they left me pretty sore. And uh, again, things that I'm doing now, what are some things you could recommend that we do throughout these off-season months? What are some things you recommend that we do to help ease us into that transition from non-skiing and riding to skiing and riding? Um, I don't pretend to be an expert on, uh, you know, physical uh, fitness or, or, you know, there, there are people far more knowledgeable about that stuff. But things that, that I do personally to kind of, yeah, ease the transition um, are, are this, I, I focus on, you know, trying to get my muscles ready for, for that, the resistance that they're going to have to put up to, to that, you know, gravitational fight that you get into when you, when you start sliding on snow again. So, you know, what, anything you can do to stress your muscles eccentrically. Um, so for me, that's as simple as like running trail running, but focusing on like the descent, um, descending while trail running kind of mimics the demands of skiing or snowboarding a little bit. Um, and just a little bit of that, uh, shock that you put on, on the bones and muscles and soft tissue. It seems like that helps make them a little more durable for when you do get around to, to snow activities. And the other thing that I've been putting a little more emphasis on this summer so far is, um, training in like high intensity bursts. Um, what I found skiing wise, it's like, you know, you're really only going hard skiing or snowboarding for about 30 seconds to a minute at the most, um, is your kind of average burst. And, um, you know, usually at the end of that burst, if I'm going at my pace at my intensity, I'm, I'm totally out of breath when I'm done. And, um, and I'm trying to kind of prepare for that, like being able to recover from those high bursts of activity and, and being able to put together a long string of those bursts throughout a day so that I'm, I'm as solid at the end as I was at the beginning. Uh, so high intensity training, whether that's like uh, intervals in a gym where you're mixing up different exercises or, or hill sprints, uh, running or hill sprints, hill sprints on your bike, any bursts of activity followed by short bursts or, reco- or short um, recovery opportunities, I think are really good. Do you usually train by yourself or with a group? Uh, both. Um, I go to some, some gym workouts in a group. I go, um, you know, running by myself or with my wife, um, do some paddling or stand up paddle boarding by myself or with my wife. So yeah, mix ride with, try to ride with people, but also end up riding by myself for a mile. And let's kind of go back to being on snow and, how do we motivate ourselves to get out and do some extra training at at the end of a day you've been teaching all day but you've got that hour where you know there's a group going out and you could hop in um what are some things that really would trigger some uh motivation to get in and join that group um i think it boils down to that question of why are you doing this um, do you view training as just a vehicle to get a pay raise or get um, higher level of certification, um, some elevation of status, or do you truly believe that that it's an opportunity for you to challenge yourself and get better at something you really, really like? Um, 
and if you're more if you see it more through the lens of self-improvement um, and it's an internal reward versus an external reward then you're probably more likely to do it regardless of how tired you are or how inconvenient it might feel to do it you've got to find the internal connection or internal motivation to uh to, to go for it and Stephen, in conclusion uh i'm wondering about your motivation right now because we've got national team tryouts coming up uh next spring in breckenridge uh yeah that is out there on the horizon <laughs> <laughs> and uh, hard to believe that um that it's already been three full years and yeah we're coming up on the fourth year and that means another tryout year so yeah i started thinking about that uh, basically at the start of this season um you know preparing for that and you know this coming uh winter will obviously be like very very focused on that um as far as being prepared mentally and physically um and yeah, those are stressful time. Like that tryout opportunity is a stressful time. And um, I think, you know, the, the mindset I just try to create for myself when I get there is that I haven't, that, that, that anything I do during that tryout isn't going to be a surprise for me, hopefully, or something I've never done before. Um, it's all got to be stuff that I've exposed myself to or thought about prior Um nothing worse than getting into a situation where it's like, whoa, I'm not ready for this. I'm not prepared. I'm totally outmatched. Um, that, that's what I'm trying to avoid at all costs. And that's something I love to bring out in these. I mean, you guys are the best of the best and you're going through a lot of the same feelings that we go through going for the level one, the level two, the level three, I mean, any exam. Totally, totally. It's no different. It's no different at all. Um, as far as those, like, yeah, those internal struggles and battles and the stress, uh, yeah, it's, it's very similar. So, um, I, I think that's important for us to, to go through. And I think it keeps us very in tune and empathetic with, with our membership. Um, and yeah, I hope people, hope hopefully people know that and recognize that, that, you know, we are valuable resources for them or allies to them um, because of this sort of ongoing struggle we've, we've chosen to put ourselves through. And what specifically are you going to be training on uh, in preparation for that in both your skiing and your teaching? Um, that's a good question. Um, you know, as far as skiing goes, um, you know, it's, it's basically, like nothing new it's like a refinement of of things you know you're always like the chink in your armor is is there like it's it's it doesn't change it's just something that you're trying to reinforce so if it's a technical issue it's the same technical issue that it was four years ago you're just trying to kind of reinforce and and bolster that one particular chink and and um so that you know that's um you know how i kind of will approach the skiing side of it is just trying to be more accurate and and across a broader range of situations you know so whether that's doing particular uh drills or skiing at faster speeds or skiing on more challenging snow conditions it's just trying to you know bolster that particular that 
that specific technical aspect of my skiing, but across a broader range. So it's just more consistent. And as far as teaching goes, um, that's one where, you know, we're put in situations where you, you get an opportunity to, um, put together something that uh, a plan where you have some, some prior knowledge of what you're, you're going to teach. Um, but you're also put in situations where it's more on the spot and you have to adapt to a kind of a more impromptu situation. So those are two types of teaching situations that, um, we have to be prepared for. And when I look at, you know, just overall teaching skills for myself, um, it's, it's just trying to do something that's simple, but, but impactful. Um, and not getting too complicated, not getting too esoteric. You know, it's got to be very impactful, very tangible and, and simple, even for groups or even for, you know, th- my peers at that level. So, Stephen, I love it because when I ask people at national team level what you're going to work on, you're always ready with an answer. <laughs> you guys are always <laughs> looking to get better. And, of course, we love that attitude. Uh, again, how do we, we're leading this into our series of uh, training and motivation to do some training. How does this go full circle? Um, yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of power in getting groups of like-minded folks together um, that have a, a shared goal um, and that the more often you can do that, the better, um, it, that it, it not only helps the collective, it, it definitely can serve individual goals. And you've got to, I think, take stock of your resources. You know, we have, um, different resources where I live here in Utah than, than say like in the Northwest, I was just recently up in the Northwest, um, doing this really cool event that they call the summer series. It's put on by a little independent group of instructors, um, and a series of training opportunities. And they have this tremendous resource of Timberline basically all summer where they can ski and, and focus on their own personal skiing development or observe other high level, uh, trainers, um, coach, you know, it's a good opportunity to see how other people's other people coach. And it's basically this lab for them, this, this laboratory for ski improvement and coaching methodology. And that's a tremendous resource. Do we have that, you know, all over the country? No, definitely not. But, um, you know, what can you do? You can you can get groups of people together to do movement analysis training where you're watching skiing, or you can get groups of people together to do like a, a rollerblade uh, clinic because there's so much crossover between rollerblading and skiing, and, and that's be- becoming um, a really cool opportunity that actually, actually is being offered by Rollerblade, the brand Rollerblade, to um, – help with the skate to ski, um, a skate to ski training regime. Uh, there's lots of things out there. And the idea is just be, you got to find these like-minded people that share your goals and share your motivation and just figure out a way to collaborate and figure out a way to, um, do use this time that will serve, um, your, your goals, your winter goals. All right. All this time that we have right now that where we're pining for winter already, um, we can use it um, to be prepared and be better during the winter season. 
Stephen Helfenbein, thanks very much for joining us on First Chair. First Chair brought to you by Keen, which is a values-led, family-owned outdoor brand from Portland, Oregon. Keen's made doing good part of doing business for more than 16 years. From consciously constructing its products for a lighter impact on the planet, to working with nonprofit partners to protect the places where we work and play. Keen puts its values in motion to leave the world a better place. Stephen, thanks so much for chatting with us. Yeah, thank you, George. From the PSIA ASI studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas.